Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. Hello, we're on Fox Soul, everybody. So the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines culture as the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. We talk a lot about black culture with our friends and uh, social media, but why don't we talk about white culture? Do white people have a culture? Well, let's get down to business. The business of being black today is being white. Please welcome actor and recording artist, Charles Chuck Diesel Wright. Hi, Chuck Diesel. Hello, hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. YouTuber and social media content creator, Robert Topi is here. Hi, Robert. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And social media influencer and comedian, Owen McEnough is in the building. Hi, Owen. Hi, Tammy, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Now, this is an odd question, especially uh, to ask uh, perhaps uh, two of my guests on the show today, but we got to get the answers. The question is always, uh, since we are talking about the business of being black, the question is always why black people should care, right? So why should black people care if white people have a culture or not? Chuck Diesel, kick it off for us. All right. Um... I think part of the reason we should care is because we do share the same space. You know, we have white Americans, we have black Americans. And then, like you said, we speak on black culture and what that is. And then if we were to reference white culture, I have to ask the question, is white culture just American culture? Because is there a separate culture for only white people in America that black people don't or can't claim or celebrate as well? Because we can look at black culture and just say black food, for instance, cornbread and chitlins. How many? Well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. You're getting ahead of the show here. You're getting that. You, you're no trying problem, to get no all problem. your talking points in in the first five seconds here now, Chuck. We got a whole hour to go, baby boo. Uh, but I definitely feel you. We we share the same space, and that is why black people should care. Owen, why should black people care if white people have a culture? I mean, I would agree with what Chuck said in that we do share a space, and I think it is better it would help us to better understand each other and um function better together as a country if we better understood each other's cultures and backgrounds robert what you got to say why should black people care so because whiteness is so dominant and it's um you know so like uh hegemonic i believe if white culture exists and if there is is a white culture um there's a lot of it would have a lot of implications on black people especially like oppression wise and i feel like um if it exists you should know about it because yeah it, that, it makes total sense to me so um white people colonize countries and people all around the world is colonization a part of white culture did i go in too hard too fast here owen <laughs> um well i think that White culture as a term is a little, um, I think it, we have to, would have to talk that out first in that. I think that it is a cultural thing for people in power to colonize. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, I don't think it's necessarily exclusive to white people. I think that if we're just looking at history, those in power have often been uh, people from countries with white people like France, Spain, Britain, places like that. Um, which have been in power historically. So then let's, uh, let me, let me backtrack then. Let's, let's start from the beginning. Do white people have their own culture, Robert? 
Well, I believe um, any group that shares a space like and is largely isolated from another group will develop um, a distinct, some distinct cultural features. So if you look on a global scale, I would say that it's very hard for you to collectively relate um, white people in France to um, suburban white people in the US. But if you look at a certain intersectional identity of whiteness and maybe a certain economic class, like um, you will start to see that they might share some um, interesting aspects of their culture that perhaps other races might not share because of distance. Uh, so proximity would create culture and distance would, you know, fragment that, if that makes sense. Right. So Chuck, what, what do you say? Do white people have culture? So I like, I like that response right there. And I feel like part of it is separating what is white people or what are white people? Because there are literally 33 definitions depending on what country you're in. So if we're talking about white people on a global scale, it's really hard to connect them all because we have the Spaniards, we have the French, we have the German, and they all are going to separate themselves. When I personally think white, I think white in America. And if we want to talk about white people in America, it's really hard to say that they have a culture because mm -hmm. they stem from other places. So, but do you think that even though they stem from other places, they collectively uh, here in America could have created their own culture? That's a convoluted discussion. My easy answer would just be no. Would no, because it didn't come from and stay and start only here. It's pulled from elsewhere. And then if we bring two white people who say that they have white culture in, and then we break down what the culture is, I might be speaking a little, you know. Well, no, I understand what you're saying, but based on that, then I have to wonder, uh, do black people have a culture now? Because we come from a different place and space. No, 100%. But if we break down like black culture again into food, chitlins and cornbread is an American black culture. They're not eating chitlins in black culture in France. So that's my and that and that's my point there. If you have all of these white people who who have come from France, Spain, Germany, and they come to America, can't they, like black people, develop and create their own culture within America? I guess the question isn't can they, but have they? So have they? Uh not from what I've seen necessarily, because having the conversation about what white culture is with American white people, usually mm -hmm. their responses are either something from another nation or place or things that are universal in America in general, like Christmas. Like that's not white culture. And if you break down where Christmas came from, it's not white heritage. So no. So Owen, uh, let's talk about what 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 Chuck is talking about here. Do you have a culture? Um, I would say that I personally do have a culture. I think that every person in the world has a culture. But I think that when we're talking about white people and black people in America, um, I think that culture is a product of a sort of shared experience uh, within a group of people who share some kind of common trait. Um, and I think that a shared experience as a result of that trait. So black people in America have experienced racism and discrimination. And I think that that is, has developed sort of a 
different worldview than that of white people. White people haven't really had any sort of shared experience as a result of them being white. So I don't think that there is any sort of unifying uh, experience for white people in America. Really? So even, even um, you know, the saying that white people can't dance. Would that be a part of your culture that you can't dance or that you don't season your food properly? Would that be a part of the culture? Well, I think those are culture, like sort of humorous cultural stereotypes. Uh -huh. um, like, I think that there are certainly a lot of white people who can't dance, but I know plenty of white people who can. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that it's a huge. I think I wouldn't say that it's a huge part of it. Um, but, but stereotypes generally derive from a particular group of people and their culture collectively. So when I say white people can't dance, obviously there are white people who can dance. But the stereotype comes from a knowledge of the majority of white people not being able to dance. So would well, that be a part of the culture that I would the, rhythm, say the rhythm is off? There is no rhythm there. I would say that there's a difference between uh, a stereotype and sort of a generalization. So I think that a stereotype is an oversimplified image of uh, an I or an idea about an entire group of people that mm -hmm. is saying like these people are like this. These people can't do X, Y, and Z. But I think that a cultural generalization uh, or like an observed is sort of an observed commonality within a group that it still allows for information. Right. So I think if you say. Uh, there are a lot of white people who can't dance rather than white people can't dance. I think that one of it's those- more is of a generalization. Yes. Right, and then a stereotype. And I, I got you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Robert, Owen says that uh, there's not particularly a culture within the white race. How do you feel about that? Well, Owen also said that there's very few shared experiences that white people have on the basis of being white. Um, I would ha I would tend to disagree with that because white people have created their own idea of you know supremacy around the color of their skin, and they've created their own spaces that are exclusionary to people of color, black people especially. So from that, I do believe there, especially with an intersection of like affluence, I do believe there have been some certain things that it's it's not necessarily only white but an intersection of a certain social class as well that has created some aspects of culture mm -hmm. um from that intersection um like and what? those are the things that contain that culture so i have an interesting idea um i notice uh on tiktok there tiktok is this is a massive cultural force at the moment um and it kind of pins down these shared experiences um of you know white suburbia especially and there's kind of like the aesthetic of white suburbia being like i don't know if you've seen these like aesthetic compilations of like certain images that make you feel nostalgic and one of them that i saw was um tuscan architecture the tuscan kitchen and i'm thinking how many people in <laughs> tuscany really have a tuscan <laughs> kitchen with this garish like canned fruits glass jars that's <laughs> distinctly white and suburban and so i believe there's just these certain aspects certain design choices certain music that um white suburbanites may listen to that have really come from just like losing touch with european heritage you know like their heritage like i'm german i'm finnish i'm british am i really anything at that point i'm just so many different things that what do i have really 
culturally in touch with anything if my um if the immigrants in my family are so far back mm-hmm. in the line besides whiteness yeah um what i find interesting is a lot of white people like the outdoors and the animals there's this fascination with animals and white people that seems to be a part of the culture uh n- no owen i mean i love the outdoors but um i mean white people especially white people who don't live in cities have in common that they like the outdoors but i think that that is more of a product of uh, location than it is a product of what about uh, the I animal the, 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 the you you seem to be lovers of animals um well i think i think again it's based on where people are from so i'm from maine which is a very suburban outdoorsy state but a lot of my white friends from new york where i live now uh hate the outdoors and don't really like animals aside from maybe a dog or a cat um so i would say that it it doesn't really have anything to do with being white per se as it does with just being from a certain place so can we separate american culture from black culture is there a separation or is black culture american culture uh chuck i would say that they can coincide. I feel like a large reason for the uh, separation is because of the lack of ownership in the Black community. So it's like, if we can highlight these things, let's do it to the fullest. But most of what we consider Black culture in America is from America. So it could be just considered American culture. The same way we have Black History Month when there's no reason it couldn't be History. American history. Um, yeah. History. I've often thought of that. I'm like, black history, it's black history, but it literally is American, American history. American history. Right? Garrett, Garrett Morgan uh, comes up with the lights, uh, you know, the light signals. That's American history. Yeah. Everybody uses the, the stoplights, right? No, 100%. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robert, is there a separation between American culture and black culture? No, they're one, they're intersected, one and the same. There's American black culture. So it is an American culture, but it's a subculture within it. Um, it's a combination of Americanness and blackness. So um, yes, black culture is American culture, but it is also black culture as well within America. Yeah. Owen, what would you say? Is there a separation between black culture and American culture? I mean, I would say that they are under the same umbrella. I think black culture. When we say black culture, we're talking about black people in America. I mean, I don't think that uh, black people in America have exactly the sort of same cultural worldview that people in Africa do. Um, but I think that, it, as Robert said, it is a subculture. So I think that it is part of American culture, but I'm American and it's not part of my culture but it is other Americans who are Blacks culture. Well, the American culture that I'm going to take a part in right now is the commercial break. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and the Business of Being Black today is white culture. Is it even a thing, white culture? So um, we know that Black culture can be appropriated, uh, but can the same be done for white culture, I oftentimes hear um, people saying, you know, if if a white woman has locks like I have right now, that she's appropriating black culture. That's a little bit beyond black culture, I think. But um, can the same be true if we see a black woman with straightened hair? Is she appropriating white culture? 
Owen? I don't think so. Um, I, I'm not really a huge fan of sort of double standards, but I think that in this instance, I think that when it comes to hair, especially black people have a more distinct type of hair than most other races in America in like the world. So I think that it is more of a cultural identity to a lot of black people, like the style that their hair grows in. Um, so I think that a white person uh, imitating that is appropriating a piece of culture that is valuable, whereas white people who have straight hair aren't super attached to the fact that their hair grows in like straighter. So I, I don't really think that you can appropriate white culture necessarily. Robert? Well, I think because black culture punches up and there's a history of oppression um, of white people oppressing black people, um, if a black person wants to take on the dominant culture um, of an unmarked category, which is whiteness, I feel like it's it's not appropriating that as opposed to being a more of a neutral, like an adoption of it. While if a white person takes on something so central to um, black culture, like um, box, uh, I believe that that has some, it, it's a, it's more of a, uh, like a dynamic that is like oppressive and uh, like it's capitalizing on, you know, and taking advantage of something that doesn't really belong to whiteness or have any connection to it. So it's because of that white supremacist oppression dynamic, that's what makes cultural appropriation, um, you know, questionable as an activity, um, even though in itself, just adopting another culture would be neutral without that oppression dynamic. Yeah. Chuck, how do you feel about this? I got to say what you just said about the oppression dynamic, the fact that Black people have been terminated from jobs, not allowed into spaces because of certain hairstyles, to then have a white counterpart talk on the same hairstyle would be like, how can you get away with doing that? And I can't when it's not hurting anybody. And that's part of what begs the question, is it appropriation? And then looking at the flip side and seeing a Black woman with straightened hair, if we just look at the history of the reason for Black people leaving their hairstyles, it wasn't because they wanted to or because they thought it was the best thing to do. It was because in order to fit into the society that was shunning them, they thought it would help. You know, you look back at people with slicked hair and like the 20s and the 30s, like those weren't black hairstyles. They were fitting into the culture of the time and trying to do better, like economically, financially, and saying, hey, we can look like you too. So it was really more of a slap in the face of making you beg to fit in more so than accepting your culture. So looking at a woman, a black woman today with straightened hair, you can't say she's appropriating culture because she was made to have to fit in. In America, uh, we celebrate St. Patrick's Day and Cinco de Mayo. Is America just a bunch of other cultures combined? Is that what yes. we are? Essentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were called the melting pot back in, right? again, the 20s. And if we just think about then, we had Anglo-Saxon Americans, white British people. And then we had Italians, we had Greeks, we had everyone coming to get a part of the new world. And when they got here, the people who were Anglo-Saxons had already started the building, started shunning everybody as the other. 
And so generations trickle down. And in order to fit in, we start adapting, like you said, St. Patrick's Day. We're all going to celebrate this holiday. Oh, the Italian family up the street got a Christmas tree this year. And the whiteness started trickling in. So anyone who didn't have a certain level of melanin could say, oh, we're white and not be a victim of hate and backlash by the people who were Anglo-Saxon British people. Mm. Robert? So um, I believe there's like multiple dynamics, like America is a melting pot. That idea is kind of like misleading, but I believe it almost applies to whiteness because whiteness does um, like suck in all these like European cultures and then claim it as whiteness. Um, so that can be a melting pot, but I believe with many other cultures, like black culture, there's more of a pluralism dynamic, like America, instead of a salad, instead of a melting pot is more of like a salad bowl. So there's a lot of cultures mixed in, in their own kind of communities. And, um, whiteness is very interesting because I believe the more like further back you can trace like your ancestry and the less connection you have to it, the more you've assimilated. While if you are like, a first or second generation American, the more connection you have to um, your original culture from your country of origin, um, your ethnicity. So in many ways, um, American culture is just a hodgepodge of a bunch of other cultures, but there's also pockets within it that are distinct to certain ethnicities. Yeah. Owen, how do you feel about uh, this melting pot? I mean, I do think that America is as was previously mentioned, a melting pot. There are so many different uh, things that we have incorporated into American culture that came from different things, like St. Patrick's Day, like Cinco de Mayo. Um, and I do think in doing that, there often is room for a bit of cultural appropriation or at least a little bit of um, negative portrayal. I, I am 100% Irish. I mean, all my grandparents... Uh, are either, you know, recently or, or were first or second gen Americans or from Ireland. And I think that um, the way that St. Patrick's Day is celebrated in America is kind of messed up with all of the drinking and stuff, um, just the way it portrays Irish people. But I do think that when it comes to America. That is interesting. Where does that come from? And this is the first time I've ever heard an Irish person say that, say, hey, the way that America celebrates the Irish is a little out of line. Uh, I've never heard that before, but I think it's fascinating because it does seem to be a little out of line because that's the first thing you think about when you think of St. Patrick's Day the is the luck of the Irish and the beer. Yeah. And that just goes to say the appropriation part of things from what we have as a white culture in America. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and what confuses me the most about, I'm sorry, Owen, go ahead. Do you, you did you want to add? Oh, no, I was just going to say that it's also one thing, I mean, in, in St. Patrick's Day in particular, I don't want to get stuck on this topic, but um, it is also a religious holiday. Like it's, yeah. it is a, an Irish Catholic celebration. It's about St. Patrick bringing Catholicism to Ireland, and that's sort of, that. what, that's <laughs> sort of the this is what St. Patrick's Day originally was about. But I mean, you could say the same thing about Christmas. 100%. Christmas is a, I mean, it has Christ in the name, literally. It's, and how many people who aren't Christians celebrate that yeah. as an American holiday? And it's not even just celebrated in America anymore. I would say, yeah, Christmas is a great example of American culture, as it is almost like the default 
like December holiday for a lot of <laughs> Americans. I mean, if you're not Jewish or um, celebrate, or if you're not Jewish or Muslim or another religion that celebrates holidays that time of year, then people you're probably automatically celebrating Christmas celebrate automatically Christmas. because you're in America. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's, that's cr- what, I, I don't know if you know or not, Owen, I just want to tap into it a little bit. What is the way that St. Patrick's day is celebrated in Ireland? I mean, there's definitely some of the same things. I think Ireland has strayed a little bit in the direction of America as well with their celebrations of St. Patrick's day. But I do think it is more of a cultural celebration in Ireland. Um, than it is in America. In America, people wear green and, you know, drink alcohol. Um, and in Ireland, it's, there is obviously drinking because, I mean, drinking is a little well, bit. We of, drink of at Irish Christmas culture. too, though, right? We, we yeah. drink at Christmas. I mean, and it definitely is part of Irish culture, uh, like particularly drinking, but I think that St. Patrick's Day is less about wearing green and getting wasted. Um, in, in Let's Ireland. take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. And we've been talking about culture and traditions on the Business of Being Black today. Well, one of the traditions and cultures in everybody's space is bad gift giving. Let me take care of that for you since we are approaching the holidays. If you want to avoid boring and basic gifts this year, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free and we could all be free of stress, right? Uh, By scouring the globe, that's what they do for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa or your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. Uncommon Goods looks for high quality, unique products that you can't get anywhere. Uncommon Goods has something for everyone, from art and jewelry to cozy comforts to home goods. Trust, it's a one-stop shop, people. One item that I've fallen in love with is the Nepal-crafted color block shawl. (sighs) It's beautifully laced with jewel-toned textures that instantly bright up my spirits while giving me that warm and snug feel I desperately need, people. It's lightweight, which makes it easy for me to carry it everywhere. I carry it on the plane. I carry it into hotels and it's versatile. I can wear it as either a scarf or wrap or use it as a throw at home. This gift is an absolute must have. And note that with each purchase, Uncommon Goods gives back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than two and a half million dollars to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash Tammy Mac. That's uncommongoods.com slash Tammy Mac. Uncommongoods.com slash Tammy Mac for 15% off. Yes. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Well, well, you know, hey, we just don't be ordinary around here. You know what I mean? We're all out of that. Yeah, it's gone. And there is nothing ordinary about the business of being black with Tammy Mac. So we'll be back. Welcome back to the business of being black with Tammy Mac. I'm Tammy Mac, And the business of being black today is do white people have 
culture. Let's talk about it. Please welcome actor and recording artist Charles Chuck Diesel Wright, YouTuber and social media content creator Robert Tolpe, and social media influencer and comedian Owen McEnough. McEnough. I got you right, right, Owen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got it. McEnough. I feel like I'm saying my name, like Mac, Tammy Mac. Enough, baby. Yes. Okay. Let me stop. Let me stop. So let's get down to business here. White people colonize countries and people all around the world. Is colonization part of white culture? I mean, white people colonized Africa, India, Australia, North America, South America. Robert, where do you stand here? Well, whiteness was created basically for the purpose of subjugating people of color, black people especially, um, especially to racialize slavery, um, to justify um, enslavement, the enslavement of black people. So I believe colonization, um, and I'm not an expert here, um, would be somewhat tied to whiteness. Um, obviously, colonization exists outside of um, whiteness, like there are many instances of it, but white people colonizing um, non-white people especially is tied to whiteness in my opinion, just the dynamic of it. Um, yeah, yeah, Chuck? Because it's often justified. And do you wanna call it the culture, a part of the culture? I mean, I guess you can. We can definitely say if you trace through history, white people throughout history have colonized and it's become a part of the bigger picture. It's just, do you want to consider that a culture more so a thing that just accompanies white people <laughs> wherever they go? And I don't want to say white people in America, because if we look at it as white people in America, are they currently colonizing? Because that would mean the culture is still living on. So I wouldn't want to say it is white culture, but I would say that it is heavily a characteristic of all white cultures up until America. Could we equate colonization today as gentrification? Ooh. I think so. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I live, um, I recently moved to New York for college, and I, I have noticed that, like, in a lot of neighborhoods that, like, historically have been home to more uh, black people. The groups ethnic groups yeah seem to have a lot of white sort of millennials moving in um, oh, yeah 100 making things trendy i guess and um actually yes yes i would just say yes uh, i'm sorry to cut you off to what tammy oh, yeah, just no. said gentrification 100 when you bring in that example all my family's from new york and not even in the last two three years this is at least five six years ago my mom grew up in bedsty in brooklyn we're going through Brooklyn and I'm just driving and my mom is turning her neck like, oh my God, this was an all Jewish neighborhood. This was an all Italian neighborhood. There's white people here now or driving through other neighborhoods. Like this was literally all black people. And now this is like Jewish people walking their families to the Jewish school up the street. And it's not to say like, they're not allowed here, but just 20 years ago, you never would have seen that intersection as much. And now it's like you said, trendy to be in certain parts of certain cities and that dissipates and push out all of the cultural and ethnic backgrounds that had been there. So I think it is similar to- Yeah, Robert? Well, yeah, I think um, there, you see a lot of neighborhoods that were historically black, just yeah. completely obliterated as affluent white people just move into them, 
and I see on TikTok like once there's a Whole Foods built, like that's the that's the canary in the coal mine. That's the warning sign that that's it. Once totally... you get that Whole Foods, yeah. it's over. <laughs> yeah. So. So what what is it about white people that constantly makes them want to move other people out of spaces? What is that? Well, I think that I think that it's not so much about them being whites as it is about them sort of being in power. I think that mm. I mean the color of your skin doesn't really correlate to how your brain operates. Um like on a scientific level, so much as it is just as a result of what certain power dynamics are like in America. Um, so I think that people in power are the set sort of want to have more. And I think it happens to be white people that are in power. And I think that they see, oh, this neighborhood is like kind of cool it has a lot of culture i want to move in here and then they see oh other white people are moving in there this is cool i gotta go get in there but they're they don't even realize that they're just wiping this um place filled with i don't even feel like it's always that they don't realize more so as a they don't care and part of it is what you said is the power dynamic of things and a lot of people a lot of white people don't realize the power dynamic because it's just embedded in the way that they live their lives. They don't realize that they're getting something or have something that other people don't have. And so just by coming into that neighborhood, they're already asserting a presence on the people there that is unbeknownst to them sometimes. But then even once it is brought up is when that power dynamic comes in, where it's like, but you can't tell me I can't have this. You can't tell me I can't be here. Right. Right. Well, that's interesting because, Owen, I agree with you when you say uh, power doesn't have a color. You know, it's not the color that makes you powerful. Right. But but in that, it sounds like tradition because it seems as if traditionally and culturally people who are white feel empowered. Is that a part of the culture, the privilege, the empowerment of white people? Because that is passed down through generations uh, within the families that, you know, we are the superiors. Mm -hmm. And that is what history has shown us time and time again when we read the books, when we see the movies. So could that be a part of the culture, Robert? I do believe um, white culture, if the the idea of it would be tied significantly with the idea of supremacy. Um, and also obliviousness as well, like just not realizing that you have things um, that other people have. Um, that I heard somebody say that, but um, so whiteness would be tied with supremacy, yes. And I believe that could be part of a culture, especially in like an intersection of affluence with that. Because but are we? I don't. I don't mean to cut you off here, Robert. Yeah. Uh, but when we say supremacy, it sounds like we're putting a negative spin on it, I, I, and. I don't feel like what I'm suggesting is a negative tonation when I use the word power, but supremacy sounds negative. So are power and supremacy one and the same? Well, I believe how the power is used um, is where the negativity comes out of it. Um, Whether that is intentional or not, it often has negative consequences when white people exercise their power, especially when they don't realize what they're doing may be oppressive or contributing to the oppression of black people and people of color. Good. Yeah. Understood that. 
completely, completely. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead, uh, Chuck. Oh, I'm just agreeing with what's being said at this point. Yeah, do yeah. you do you feel as if um, that's a part of white people's culture, the power? Uh, I do feel like the power, like the feeling of power is embedded because if we just look at the way a person is raised, speaks to your confidence and how you interact with other people. And so if we just go back 100 years from now, as a Black person, certain spaces you were not allowed to be in, inhibit, and your parents would tell you, don't go there, don't do that, don't interact with them, and don't speak to them that way. And then that gets passed down, how you interact, how you talk to people, that builds up your psyche. Your oh, yeah, that's good, that's good. Are. Yeah. And so yeah. if we just go through 100 years from now, white people haven't had the same conversations with their children as black people. A hundred years ago, the white people were telling black people, regardless of relation, don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, you can't touch this. And that is a power structure and a confidence built in you. You have the power to tell people how to act and behave, which you were then going to instill in your children. You can behave like this, you can talk like this, you can treat people like this. And so if we look at it now, yes, that would still be embedded in the way white people raise their children to know who they are, how they can behave, and what they are entitled to. With Black people, we still don't fully have an understanding of the power that you have in a space. Because my mom told me, just as a 15-year-old, you better not act like this in this room full of white people. Yeah, I think we've all had that conversation for sure, right? Uh, I think a part of white culture may be the privilege, right? The privilege of knowing that you can be in any space at any time and not be reprimanded for that. Well, I have a space that I'd like to enter and not be reprimanded for. Commercial break. Welcome back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack and the business of being black today is white culture. Is it even a thing? Now, um, I know Chuck been dying to get to this part of the conversation. <laughs> we are here, Chuck. We are at the, the food portion of the show. Spicy food is often associated with ethnic food. Is unseasoned food a part of white culture? Let me just say this. My next door neighbor is white. And every time I invite him over for dinner, he says, I don't eat anything spicy. I don't eat anything spicy. <laughs> and we have been living next door to each other now for five years. And he still tells me, I don't eat anything spicy. And I'm like, we don't eat anything spicy over here either. Why do you keep telling me that? He just might have a baby palate like me. Uh, I tell my mom I don't eat anything spicy. She raised me, and she still feeds me hot food sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So, Robert, food is an important part of culture, and soul food is a huge part of Black culture. So what foods would you equate to white culture? Uh, I feel like white culture adopts whatever is, like, the diet of the month. And um, it's usually <laughs> the diet of the month. <laughs> yeah, the diet of the month. It's always like, what are what are white people eating today? Um, <laughs> and so, I feel like just recently, white people have started to discover seasoning. But I think there's definitely a historical aspect to why um, white people are associated with not seasoning their food, mm -hmm. um, because usually it was only like royalty that had. If I'm correct about this it was only like royalty that really had access to spices mm -hmm. so i wonder if it's just like something that most european cultures had in common for a very long time just not making do without many spicy you know you know not many spices in your cabinet right. 
um, because it's yeah, and, and you know, for me, cool. spices doesn't necessarily mean spicy, no. right? Like you can no. have spices that are not yeah. hot, but salt Owen, is technically a spice. Yeah. Owen, uh, what is it with the raisins? What is it with white people and the raisins in the potato salad, the raisins in the macaroni, the raisins? I think it's just, it's sort of kind of a uniquely American food, like particularly mac macaroni and cheese, I guess. And I think it's, um, it's I, I don't really know what specifically it is about white people, honestly, that really are drawn to mac and cheese. But I think it is more- well, I meant more of the raisins, like- More of the raisins? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm personally not a huge fan of raisins. Um, I think that they, I don't know, it's like eating old people. I don't really- <laughs> like. Yeah, I don't really um, enjoy that, but um, I don't know. I I don't know if I have a great answer for that. Question. Like, I, I, no comment, no comment on yeah. the raisins. So, Chuck, let me let me say this: uh, we often uh, the black culture we make fun of the white culture for their food. However, uh, white people don't. Uh, most of I'm sorry, white people have to deal with diabetes less than black people. White people have to deal with high cholesterol less than black people. So are white people onto something with the way that they prepare their food? Because it seems to be black people who are disproportionately affected uh, by these types of diseases that have to do with the food that we eat. So are white people more knowledgeable about what's healthy and what keeps them alive versus black people? I would, I'd have to argue no, because again, when we talk about culturally the foods that are eaten, in black culture and especially around holiday times, we have to look at where they come from. Cornbread came from cornmeal. Cornmeal came from the leftovers, you feel me? Is making do. When it comes to meats that are eaten, pig feet, who just decided they wanted to eat the pig's foot? That's what was left and you made do. The seasoning is to add to the fact you're eating the leftovers, like you're eating carcass, you feel me? Chitlins? you're eating intestines in order to make that appetizing you gotta doctor it up and then that gets passed on as being culturally what is acceptable and what is eaten so we also understand now that hereditary things are passed down so part of it is from having to eat these things having to make do then the lineage is passing down these hereditary diseases while also instilling into us that these are the foods that we should be eating and these foods cause the problems to begin with. So it's kind of baked in and I wouldn't say it's necessarily being knowledgeable of these facts, but taking the opportunity from black people to have those foods and build them into the culture. And then the ignorance on our part in a certain stance to just do the research, you can Google what's good to eat. You feel me? Like you can make that decision for yourself on what you can and can't eat and what's going to be beneficial for your body. So partially it was just being blind to it. And now it's just ignoring the facts. I would say that it's one thing that I notice about America and food is that it is kind of more expensive to eat healthily in this country than it is to eat. On that kind of it is. I mean, yeah, I would, I would say that it's, the gourmet food or other food that is has a lot of nutrients and stuff like that in it is marked up much more than like soda and just like processed food. And For I sure. think that if we look at demographics in America, it 
what most wealthy people in this country or people that can afford to eat that way are white. Um, and not even just that, when we said the Whole Foods coming into the neighborhood, that's funny, but there's more truth to it than not. Because like you said, look at the demographics. Let's pull up to the middle of a neighborhood in Inglewood somewhere and see how many Whole Foods stores are there, how many fresh produce stores are there. And then let's go to the opposite and pull up somewhere in the hills, Beverly Hills somewhere. As soon as you open the map for a grocery store, it's going to be a health food option. Yeah. Yeah. And you can definitely see and find more uh, WIC stations, which is, you know, uh, uh, those people who have the the government subsidies able to get their food in those lower income areas. Right. In those in those areas. And then the food that you're allowed to get with WIC is regulated. You can't buy certain products that might be the more healthy option. Yeah, good point, good point. So would you consider, and this is to either of you, would you consider European intellectualism, including the Renaissance and Shakespeare, as part of white culture? No, because the Renaissance gets watered down. There are so many paintings, so many artifacts, so many findings that have Black excellence prominent in them that are hidden. There are paintings that aren't even on display in certain museums because of the fact they were depicting Black and Moorish and colored people riding horses and wearing colored linen. They're tucked away in museums because it denotes from the idea of the white aristocracy during the Renaissance period. Oh, and you say no, too. Yeah, no, I have the same opinion that he has. I like that. It's a fact that there are plenty of watered-down uh, or like the, the water, the the Renaissance era was very watered down um, and sort of excluded a lot of people of color who contributed to Renaissance art and intellectualism. Robert, how do you feel about Shakespeare? Listen, uh, I went to school and um, to get my 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 degree, my master's of fine arts in theater, and we were certainly taught about Shakespeare, not Tyler Perry. Well, um, sorry if I'm like interrupting, but like, um, well, I've certainly studied my fair share of Shakespeare myself as an English major. Um, but I feel like, uh, if you're talking about like Renaissance and like all these like ideas, what Renaissance, like how many, how many European countries had a Renaissance around the same time over a span of many hundreds of years. So, um, it's hard to claim that and like, pin it down to whiteness, especially because at that time period, whiteness was just really starting to mm-hmm. develop as an idea. Because before then, like, um, like our modern conception of whiteness has changed so, so, so much over the past hundreds of years that it's really hard to say that like people in the Renaissance were saying, yes, we, we as white people collectively claim this culture. That's yeah. not something. No, I feel like do history. I want to get, get Owen in here real quick. Go ahead, Owen. Well, yeah, I would say that, like, this was at a time sort of before uh, whiteness was like more than just a skin tone, as opposed to it is now it's like more of a status than it is, than it is a skin tone, especially in America. But I think that back then it was more these people are Italian, these people are French, these people are Spanish. Um, so I think that if you're Italian, you can kind of, I guess you could claim like Michelangelo uh, more that like more than just any other white person could. Yeah, Chuck. I was just gonna say that um, looking at any Renaissance and what we have of it and what we've been taught, just going through 
public school is going to show the white side of it. And so when you say what renaissance, if you look at any of the renaissances, you can see that there's more than just white people involved if you look past what we've been taught in school. And when we look at people who were in nations before the history of it and the documentation of it, we can all agree that they might not have been Black like me or Black African, but they also weren't white European and looked like what we know as white yeah. people now. They Chuck, were when can we in. get your new single, ARH? Tomorrow. Tomorrow I have a new song dropping for the holidays. It's uh, something to bring people together. I like to think of it as an inspirational song, and it's about riding for the people who are there for you, friends, family, and those close to you. And the holidays are this month, so perfect for What is A-R-H? Always remain humble. Oh, I like it. Kendrick Lamar-esque, right? Be so humble, you, sit down. Yes. If you just read it, it says R. A-R-H is R. So we are and always remaining humble. Oh, Got it. Robert, humble. please uh, talk about your YouTube channel. Yeah, on my YouTube channel, it's just my name, Robert Tolpe. And I talk about all sorts of topics, uh, internet culture, uh, social justice issues. And if you want to check it out, just subscribe. It's just my name. It's right below. But what's on yeah. what what's on the docket for today? Um, what do you mean? Like, what am I posting today? Or yeah, like, what are you posting today? I'm making like uh, this. This is a dark topic, but like human trafficking awareness um, on TikTok, especially ah. like a lot of people who are like bringing the sensationalized idea of what human trafficking is versus yeah. what it normally is, which is like a close friend or relative, like bringing you into that's a great topic yeah I, yeah i appreciate that D dive in on that owen uh you're a comedian so where can we check out your comedy um i mean i don't have any sort of show of any kind coming up but i do a lot of stand-up around new york um i do an open like this like there's just this open mic i do every tuesday in brooklyn uh called the tiny cupboard but if you want to check out some of the stuff that i make i have a tiktok um with a sizable following uh my username's ChristLover69. Um, yeah, if you want to check check that out, I got I'm gonna stuff follow you. I'm gonna. Fo I actually followed you already. So ChristLover69. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Robert, for your input. Thank you, Chuck, for your perspective. And thank you, Owen, for your perspective as well on white people and their culture. That is the business of being black with Tammy Mack for today. I thank you all for being on the show. And you can watch us. All you have to do is log on to foxsoul.tv and find out when we're on. That's the business of being black with Tammy Mack. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner, and at The Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa Countdown Inflatable Special Buy, only $69.98. Or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 